this morning, um, the theme that we're going to be looking at is the Holy Spirit. And as I reflect on my experience with the Holy Spirit, what I find as I look back over my life is the places where I feel like I can most clearly say, yes, that was the Holy Spirit, have tended to come at times when I felt uh, completely out of control. And that is this morning. <laughs> I woke up at 10 o'clock because I was already in bed, and at midnight and at 2 o'clock to our daughter Amelia um, throwing up. The first time she made it in the toilet, the second time all over her bed. Um, and then this morning woke up to Mark having fallen, succumbed, succumbed to the same thing. So he was supposed to be preaching this morning. And here I stand before you to speak about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I really feel like there is no more appropriate topic um, to speak on with an hour and a half of preparation than the Holy Spirit. Uh, because I am very serious when I say that I believe that we are most open to the working of the Holy Spirit in our life in the times where we are most out of our own control. And um, so we're just going to go with it. And I, I really trust that the Holy Spirit is going to be working and moving and that we are going to learn something about God's Spirit together this morning through the Lord's grace speaking through me. I'm going to pray as we begin, and then we'll spend a little time exploring. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move this morning. We know that you are all-powerful, that through your movement over the waters, all things came into being. Open our eyes and our hearts to hear from you this morning. Spirit, we pray that we would feel your presence that our hearts and our minds would be enlightened to who you are and the role that you so desperately want to play in our lives and through our lives in the world. Lord, we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the series that we've been going through um, recently is loosely following um, a catechism put together by Redeemer Church out in Manhattan called the New City Catechism, which just kind of um, pulls together all of the kind of most important questions within the faith. And so the question we're looking at today is, what do we believe about the Holy Spirit? What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? And the answer that they give in the catechism is that we believe that the Holy Spirit is God, that he is eternal, just like the Father and the Son, that he has existed from all time alongside the Father and the Son, and that God gives him to all who believe, that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ has received the Holy Spirit, and that that is not a gift that's ever going to be taken away. There's nothing that you can do to have that gift pulled back. So I want to read a few verses from um, John chapter 14. This is Jesus speaking about the Spirit that is going to come. And here's where I lose things. Put that there. This is my bookmark. Since we're just being raw today, <clears throat> this is Alistair. <laughs> John 14. This is uh, during the Last Supper, the night that Jesus is betrayed. So he's speaking about kind of what is to come for his disciples. So imagine uh, they don't exactly know what's happening, but they're going to become to, they begin to see very clearly that things are going to a place where they are going to be completely out of control. By the end of this night, they've watched the one that they have believed is the Messiah uh, get arrested and carried off, and within hours, he's going to be nailed to the cross. So that's the context that Jesus is speaking these words. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So there's a lot that he packs into just a few short sentences here. The first one is that the spirit that is coming is God. That the words here, it's not um, something that's like Jesus. He's like, it is, this is me. I'm giving you my spirit. One in, in exactly the same as me is coming to you. And that spirit will never leave us. And it also says here that the spirit resides in us. So I think a lot of us, um, especially in the Reformed tradition, which sanctuary is a part of, we tend to exist in our heads, right? And so our faith is, is about understanding God and learning facts about him. And we, we live up here. And so then it can be hard for us to understand the spirit because the spirit lives here. the spirit resides within each one of us. And so we can have a hard time knowing how to experience the spirit because we're, we're living all of our, our faith life up here and, and the spirit kind of calls us uh, to experience him in a different way. So we're going to explore that a little bit this morning. The word that Jesus uses here to describe the spirit that is coming um, is translated in the NIV as advocate. But if we flesh that out a little, a little bit, um, he describes this spirit here, it could be described as a helper, or a comforter, or a counselor. And it's one who knows us so well that he can speak on our behalf, right? And um, we have a passage in Romans where Paul says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. How often is that the case for us? You promise to pray for someone, you have no idea the right things to pray. You don't know what's best for them, and you're trying to pray, and you don't have words. He says, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. In those moments, the Holy Spirit is praying for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So the picture here is of a, a beautifully intimate spirit, a spirit who is, who is as, as close as, as you could possibly get, and who is there to comfort and to guide. This is an encouraging thing to imagine, that, that God has gifted us with this sort of his presence. So then another question is, how does the Holy Spirit help us? So this is the next question in the New City Catechism. And the answer that they give is that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, comforts us, guides us, gives us spiritual gifts, and gives us the desire to obey God. And I would say the desire to desire God. That also is evidence of the Spirit at work in your life. And the Spirit also enables us to pray and to understand God's word. Now, I imagine that many, maybe not all of us, would be able to think back on a time where they would say, yes, that was the Holy Spirit at work in my life. And I would love to hear those stories. 
seriously would love it. So let's have coffee, and I would love to hear them. This morning, you get the chance to hear my stories <laughs> and Matt Whitney so that we have an, an alternative voice. And so I just want to, I'm going to just share with you some of my experience of the Spirit and try and identify kind of what attributes of the Spirit I think those experiences um, introduced me to. So for me, the Spirit has tended to, um, when I would say that I have experienced the Spirit, okay, I am an engineer, industrial engineering was my degree. Uh, I have, I'm fairly type A, I would have always called myself fairly driven and pretty detail-oriented. I would not have called myself historically an artist. I've always admired artists, I've always kind of longed to be one, and I think I've, I'm like dabbling a little bit more now that I have a four-year-old daughter and kind of like experimenting with that side of myself, but... I had a friend post-college who had come to a Bible study with me, and the, the memory that I remember most vividly, she came and she was talking about this vision that she had had of flying with Jesus. And she described, you know, kind of like, she started out in her house, and she was like stressed out, but then like Jesus kind of took her by the hand, and they started flying kind of further and further away from her worries, and she gained this beautiful perspective, and I just was laughing as Jill was telling me the story, because this is just how Jill is wired, and I just was like, wow, I do not connect with that at all. Well, my experiences with the Spirit have pulled me into a place where I have had similar experiences to the one that Jill described. Not, I mean, I've never flown with Jesus, but um, in times where I have... Actually, that's not true. I did once. <laughs> I'll tell you about it. These moments have tended to come in times when I am just uh, beside myself having to make some decision or in some moment where I feel like I'm in crisis or just kind of in the depths of despair. Um, one of those times was right after college, I was in the Air Force for four years, and it, it never really fit me. Uh, but I, you know, I, when I start something, I finish it, and I was committed to, like, doing this if this is what God wanted me to do. But, and I had this sort of, like, my, kind of my dad's story. I would say his Holy Spirit moment in his life was like an audible voice telling him, uh, I want you to be in ministry in the Air Force. So that was my dad's Holy Spirit story, like running through my brain as I'm trying to decide, what am I supposed to do with my life? And is that for me? And I didn't want it to be for me, but maybe it's supposed to be my story too. And I was in angst, okay? And decisions for me are always uh, angsty. My parents can tell you lots of stories of uh, how uncomfortable I am to be around when I'm trying to make a big decision. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm 24 at this point, and so it's all about angst. And anyway... Um, I have never, you know, been more on my knees in prayer trying to hear God because I wanted to do the right thing. And I was feeling increasingly this call towards ministry. I was dabbling in some classes at Fuller at that point. I was also dabbling in an MBA at that point um, and just so desperately wanted to know what I was supposed to do. And during that season, I began having visions that kind of just images that would appear in my brain but then wouldn't leave so I had one image that was a puzzle. And it was like, you know, picture like, uh, when was tie-dye in? The 60s? Tie-dye. Picture kind of a tie-dye puzzle, like psychedelic puzzle pieces all on this table. And I knew that that puzzle was me. And I so desperately wanted to do something with my life where all of those pieces of me would fit together into one picture. But I could not, at that season of my life, figure out how my engineering degree and my love of people and my love of Jesus were all supposed to fit together into one thing. I just couldn't figure it out. But that picture sat with me for months. 
that culminated then in a conversation with my pastor. She called me up and asked me to come to coffee, and she began to tell me about all of these things that my church at the time was planning to do. And they were, they were things that I had been longing to see my church get into. It was a huge Presbyterian church. They were doing nothing to foster uh, the next wave of leaders. And I had longed for a, an internship program at the church. I had longed for a contemporary worship service that would draw young folks to the church And in this one conversation, she began telling me how the church was planning to embark on both of these. Well, I felt this, that puzzle came together in my mind. And I said, I had, I call it my burning bush moment. I felt like I blacked out, like all of my senses left me. And I just felt like a train was running through my body. I don't know if any of you are anxious, you maybe have experienced that sense or you've drunk way too much coffee. I had 32 ounces of coffee one day this week accidentally. It was a similar feeling. But I just had the most clarifying moment where the Holy Spirit just made it so clear. Summer, I want you to be in that sort of a ministry. Air Force is done. Your father's Holy Spirit moment is not your Holy Spirit moment. I want you to be in vocational Christian ministry. And it just... The pieces came together, and I saw how God was going to use all of me. Most powerful experience for me of the Holy Spirit. Um, That began a journey towards getting out of the Air Force, towards going into seminary, which in my mind, when I first had that conversation with my pastor, I was like, me, 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 sign me up today. Uh, And I literally was ready to get out of the Air Force this day and walk into the church in my new role the next morning. Well, through the course of the next six months or so, several of the pastors of the church helped me discern that there was a bit of a process that I needed to go through. And I had another image that came to me. So I was living in Colorado Springs at that point, and it sits right at the base of Pikes Peak, which is this 14,000-foot amazing uh, mountain. And I climbed it a couple of times. Hardest thing, but... um, The reality was, when you sat in Colorado Springs and looked up at the mountain, it looked pretty two-dimensional, right? It wasn't until you began hiking that mountain at 5 in the morning so that you could finish it before the weather rolled in and you got stuck in thunderstorms up above treeline that you began discovering that the first three miles of the hike, first of all, it's pitch dark. Second of all, you can't even see the mountain. You have no idea if you're on the right path at that point because it's hidden behind all of these foothills. And so you're just trekking in faith that you have not made a wrong turn somewhere. And then you come over the crest of those, of those foothills, and you enter kind of this plains of aspens, where suddenly the mountain is in front of you, and it's fairly easy for several miles. You're just trekking, and the birds are chirping, the sun has come up, the aspen wheat leaves are kind of waving in the wind. It's lovely for maybe six miles. And then you hit the mountain, and you come to treeline, And you think, oh my gosh, like there's a truck that has just run me over. I can't breathe. And the last several miles, you're going straight up, climbing over boulders, uh, thinking, why in the world did I ever think this was a good idea? Well, that was the image that God kind of brought to me in that season. And what I understood from that was, Summer, I want to fulfill this vision that I have given you of yourself in ministry but it's going to take time, and you need to submit to a process. And there are going to be days and weeks, perhaps, where you have no idea if you're on the right track. And then you will have these moments where you crest a hill, and you have clarity, and you see the vision laid out before you again. 
And that sustained me then over the next multiple years. I got out of the Air Force. I moved from Colorado to Seattle, um, partially to go to seminary, partially chasing a relationship, which ended right after I moved here. Praise be to Jesus. Um, <laughs> but it dumped me into a year and a half of major depression. Uh, so my first year and a half of seminary, I was majorly depressed. Um, towards the end of that season, though, I had yet another image. You know, seminary was hard. We've got a whole row of Seattle school students here. Uh, seminary is hard. Even at Fuller, it dismantles you. Seattle school, I hear, is even more that, more that way. Uh, you know, kind of makes you question everything that you have believed your entire life. Um, it was hard. And kind of just before I came out of that really dark place, I had another image of myself in my bedroom. I had a corner room with windows on two sides. And the windows were covered in black butcher paper. And I was in there, and I knew outside that window is life and light, and there are people going by, and there are buses going past, and my neighbors are out playing with their kids. I know that with my mind, but I'm not experiencing any of that with my being. And then the wind began to blow, and that paper in the window began to blow, and the wind began to blow harder, and suddenly the paper began to rip. And then all of a sudden, the wind began ripping shards of that paper off of the window until suddenly the window is clear, and I'm able to experience the beauty of the sunlight and the life that has been out there all of the time but I could not experience. That, to me, was this image of God saying, Summer, like, you're go I'm going to get you through this. There is light. There is life. You are coming to the end of the season. And it was a gift to receive that. One more story that I'll share. <laughs> I could go on for hours. Uh, there was a season a few years ago where I was discerning whether continuing on at Sanctuary was the right thing for me. And it was very scary because Mark and I had felt called here uh, and continued to feel called here. Uh, and, but I was wrestling with this question, like, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And it was, it was very scary because at this point, my entire community was here. We, my kids were invested here. Um, and I had a dream. This was sleeping. I had a dream. And the dream was me and Mark, and we're holding Alistair and Amelia. And we're this is so cliche, but we're standing on the edge of a cliff. And I knew we had to jump. Well, you know, of course, that's not what you want to do. But I knew that we had to do it. And so we did. We stepped off of the cliff. And rather than falling, we soared. It was that feeling of being lifted up on the wings of an eagle, right? And we soared. And I, I just heard the word, the word somewhere, I've got you. I've got you. And that gave me the courage to make the decision that I needed to make, which at that point was to step back from things here. Clearly, the Lord has worked another whole work, and here I am before you on staff at Sanctuary, and I love it, and I'm so grateful. Ask me for the rest of that story some other time. Maybe I'll tell you. <laughs> this is the last thing that I'm going to say, and then Matt is going to come and share a bit of his experience. Um, James, there is a slide that has two columns which you can see parts of. Okay, so <laughs> I think we are yearning for the Spirit the most when we're in these seasons of discernment. And we want to hear from the Lord. God, what is it that you want me to do, right? And you're like, you, you have an inclination, and you're like, is that my dinner talking, or is that the Spirit, uh, or is that my roommate? You know, like, I want to know that this is the Lord's voice. This has been very much my experience um, that has helped me in de deciphering one from the other, Okay. God's voice is going to still you. 
Satan's voice is going to rush you. If you are having to make a decision and you feel rushed, that is not the spirit that is rushing you. God's voice leads you. The Satan's voice pushes you. God's voice reassures. Satan frightens. God enlightens, brings clarity. Satan confuses. In that year and a half of depression for me at the beginning of seminary, I described it as feeling like I was in a thundercloud, and my thoughts were just toppling. Every time I tried to like logic my way to an answer to any question, I just felt like I was confused. That was not from God. God encourages. Satan discourages. God comforts. Satan worries. God calms. Satan obsesses. God convicts you. Satan condemns you. And the last one, God's voice leads you to a place of contemplation. Satan's voice leads you to compulsion. Maybe that can be helpful for you. I'm going to ask Matt to come now. He's going to share for a few minutes about his experience of the Spirit. And then we're going to go into a time of prayer as we come to the table. A lot of things. That Summer just said, in particular... John 14, which I've actually been ruminating on for several weeks, and there is enough mystery and concrete practicality in John 14 to last you a lifetime. It's the chapter I said in full life today that I would take to a deserted island. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, and he calls it the advocate. He says, follow my commands, and he will give us the advocate. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I myself have told you. And so I think of the Holy Spirit as the advocate and the reminder. The Spirit advocates for my soul. So how much of me, most of me, is in the world? Is just my mind being worried about the things of the world? Paying bills, money, career, relationships, problems. That's what my mind is mostly occupied with all the time. And what is my soul saying in all of that? Well, mostly my soul is malnourished. It's not getting to speak at all. And to put that a different way, it doesn't get to listen. And so what the Holy Spirit does is it reminds me. It's like a reminder on my phone that says, let your soul listen for God's word. So what do I make of that? So a lot of times, I just stop what I'm doing in the middle of the day and just breathe. And sometimes that's like 10 seconds to just stop and look around and let my soul pay attention and try to let my mind just shut up for 10 seconds. What the Spirit does is it reveals to me God's expressions to my soul. And so... What are those expressions? Because I don't have visions. I don't have mystical experiences of God. I have what I have to believe are concrete experiences. So I wrote down a few of them. Uh, Some of them you may share. Some of them are singularly and uniquely mine. A giant cedar tree in a city neighborhood. A Phil Collins song. Encountering a great painting. Seeing a blue jay attack the bird feeder outside our window. 
taking the stairs, being with Gray on a beach throwing rocks. The first light of dawn, and not the light, but just less dark. A still body of water, a charged body of water. Seeing Heather ride a bicycle. Or a poem that reminds me to listen. The spirit forms soul-nourishing habits in me. So for the most part, I'm an anxious and insufferable person. (laughs) And if you encounter me sometimes as being not anxious and insufferable, that is proof enough that the Holy Spirit is manifest and at work (laughs) in my life. So one of the practices, one of those soul-nourishing habits is I journal. So I get up in the morning, and I write stuff down. And a lot of it is just the trash of my mind, just the worries and things. And I journal as a practice of laying these things at the foot of the cross to say, Jesus, these are, maybe they're stupid things, maybe they're things that I shouldn't be so worried about, but they are there. And so I am laying them at your feet. Here they are written down. And occasionally, I will write down things that are of the Spirit. But I have to go back and actually like read my journal later to find those things and highlight them. So I, ran, so I take things, I go through with a colored pencil, and I just circle the things that actually matter, and I ignore all the other things. So the Spirit also reveals the Word of God to me. So it converts Scripture from a historical text into a God-breathed word to me in that moment. So one day recently, because I'm an anxious and insufferable person, I go to pray and I experience that sort of existential dread of encountering God and saying, where are you? Here I am. I don't really know what to think right now. I don't really know what to say. I am doubting you. And I turn to scripture and I read about Jesus scolding his disciples and saying, how slow you are. And how foolish you are that you don't notice me there with you. And instead of that just being a skimmed over text, I hear God's voice in that. Matt, you are being slow, and you are being foolish, and you are being sluggish. That's a good thing. Other times, such as in Luke, when Jesus appears after his resurrection, he's actually walking with his disciples, and they don't know it until after the fact. One of them says, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? When have we not had moments when our hearts were burning and we didn't know that God was there? We don't take the time to reflect and realize that that actually is God. That's the Holy Spirit reminding us. It's the Holy Spirit advocating, not just on God's behalf and on Jesus' behalf, but on our behalf. To let our souls take time to listen and to notice and to practice God's presence in our lives. It reminds me that Jesus is near and alive and speaking. If only I would listen. And so I hope for you, too, um, that you are able to listen, that you're able to find practices for yourself where the Holy Spirit can advocate for you as well. Amen.
everyone's experience of the Spirit is different. And I think that's one of the things that's beautiful about it, is that the Spirit, God, knows us. And he knows what each one of us needs and the way that we need to be connected with. Their men's and women's retreats that are coming up are um, going to be exploring some of these practices that Matt talked about. And if you feel like you're like, this is like a foreign language to me, come. Because all of us have to begin somewhere. And some of these spiritual practices are the perfect avenues into a deeper awareness of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so come. We're going to enter into a time of prayer now. And this is going to be primarily um, a prayer of quiet so that we have space to hear and to experience the Spirit. At the end of this time, Randy will come and lead us to the table. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, creator of life, we invite you this morning into our hearts. In the midst of the hecticness of life, we seldom take the time to be still. The moments when we could be quiet, we plug in the earbuds, turn on the podcast, and fill our minds with noise. But we give you this moment, Lord. Each person here comes with different, different burdens, different joys, different questions. And so in this moment, Lord, we, with open hands, simply offer those things to you honestly. The trash of our minds, we lay it out there at the foot of your cross. And Spirit, we ask that you would blow over it. Blow away the things that simply don't matter. The things that are simply cluttering our minds, cluttering our hearts, that just don't need to be there. Lord, blow them away. Spirit, if there are are voices from Satan that have gained a foothold in our lives, if we are experiencing worry or confusion, we pray that you would blow that away. We ask that your spirit would replace those feelings with things that are true. Lord, most of us spend our lives seeking stability, seeking to control as much about our environment as we can. 
And yet the reality is that we experience you most fully in the moments of chaos. I think of Peter stepping out of the boat into the water. And how locked on he was to Jesus in that moment. Lord, give us the courage to step out of the boat and into the water. Give us courage to trust you with the hard things of life, the places that we feel overwhelmed. Help us to let go of our desperate hold. Spirit, thank you for your presence with us. Always. Thank you for your faithfulness. That you are always with us. Thank you for your deep love for us. And thank you for the reminders that you put in front of us, like this table, of your love, your provision your grace. And thank you for this chance this morning to reorient our thoughts around those truths. We are grateful, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.